Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Noticing. I'm your host, best-selling author Johnny B. Truant, and I'm here to help you give the muse the finger and make life your muse instead. In each 10-minute episode, I'll tell you how I spun something mundane into inspiration and show you how to do the same. If you've ever wondered how to write better, how to be creative, how to get more ideas, you're in the right place. Let's start noticing. Well, here comes one of my controversial episodes and one of the ones that makes me feel like a total curmudgeon who's yelling at kids to get off his lawn. But by the way, I actually did that once recently. I was uh, sitting in my house and like there were a bunch of, there were kids that were like right in front of the window, not up by the street. And I, I literally came outside and yelled at them to stop running around on my lawn. And only after that had happened, did I say, man, I apparently I'm officially like a cliche of an, of an old person now, which is ridiculous. But that said, I have been watching the show, the Simpsons for um, close to since the beginning. And I have the DVDs, which is give you an idea of kind of how long, because DVDs are a really like they're behind Blu-rays on technologies that we don't really worry about nearly as much anymore. But I had seasons one through eight, and I would tell people who want to hear my curmudgeon ways that seasons three through eight were this were the sweet spot. And they're obviously some after that. And I don't mean to knock the entire rest of this like 40 year run that this show has, has had or anything like that. So if you're, and I've met the showrunner for the Simpsons, the current one. So I really apologize if he's listening to this, that would be a quality problem. Wouldn't it? If the Simpsons showrunners were listening, but if they are maybe take this as constructive criticism. So in my opinion, one of the, in my opinion, it's not as clever. And I just think that they had to be scrappier back in the day. Back in the day, they had to kind of to prove themselves. And nobody really, I mean, it was a cultural phenomenon and it was growing. And certainly by the end of my window, by season eight, it was well established. But they were still, not enough time had passed that the show could fundamentally depart from what it was. Well, you know, you fast forward however many years it's been and it, it's gone quite far from what it used to be. But one of the things that, I remember thinking would really hallmark the difference. One of the things where you could say like in common parlance, this was kind of a jump the shark thing for me is when celebrities started to appear as themselves. And it was, it felt like they were being given a marquee spotlight. So in the early seasons, Aerosmith did appear as themselves, but it was a joke because Aerosmith was appearing at Flaming Moe's, and that was a ridiculous idea. There was this wonderful episode where George Harrison appears as himself, but it's when Homer was with his barbershop group, the B Sharps, and he's at the Grammys. And he's the, the joke is that I finally got a chance to meet one of my idols. And uh, then they show George Harrison. He says, hey, Homer, I'm George Harrison. And and Homer says, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Where did you get that brownie? Because he's eating a brownie. And so it's played off like he wasn't at all interested in meeting George Harrison. He was interested in the brownie. But mostly what you would see is celebrities appearing in guest roles. And they weren't, well, they would be credited, of course. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't, they, they didn't scream who they were. They were showing, they were appearing in a guest role rather than being themselves. So two that I can think of off the top of my hat, top of my hat, that's a weird expression, top of my head, are when Dustin Hoffman appeared and she was Lisa's substitute teacher, who Lisa was infatuated with. Character's name was Mr. Bergstrom. And Donald Sutherland, 
is the, I don't remember his name, but he was the head or the curator of the Springfield Historical Society. And this, he's featured prominently in the episode where um, Jebediah Springfield's true origins are discovered. But this is like deep cut for like Simpsons fans. But what started to happen later is you would see celebrities appearing purely as themselves, that they were just on and they would just be there. So I am a Stephen King fan. But that said, when Stephen King appeared on The Simpsons as Stephen King, it wasn't played for jokes in the same way that the George Harrison one was played. It was played like, well, Stephen King is guest appearing on The Simpsons. And there was a lot of that. So again, I don't mean to harp on this, but it does, like all of these noticings, it did raise kind of an interesting flag and it made me think outside of what I'm given. And that's the point of all of this is not the Simpsons need to change their ways. It's really that it made me think about why did that happen and what does that have to tell me as a creator? Because that is a TV show and it is therefore balancing the needs of commerce because it's a very popular show. And I would argue that some of the changes that have been made are because it is in its own fame, but it's also art. It's also story. And the people who are there actually care about making something that is artistically interesting, even if it's done in a public crucible. And all of that to me speaks to, because I guess I should be clear when I say that the celebrities start appearing as themselves, what it feels like to me, and this might be inaccurate, but what it feels like to me is an attempt to square a very in the moment um, appreciation of some sort of celebrity, because a lot of the celebrities are very short term, near term, maybe not enduring celebrities. It's almost like, well, this is popular right now. And so it feels like a weird bandwagon jumping thing. It feels like I'd better, we'd better capitalize on the fact that X is possible. And therefore, we can get people to come over to our show. So it felt like a commercial decision based on bandwagon jumping for popularity and hence audience purposes. Might not have always been true. I'm sure it's not always true. I'm sure I'm being unfair. But again, the deeper lesson is in my field, indie authordom, it's really common to chase trends. And even if we know that it's not a good idea, it's usually not a good idea, People do it all the time anyway, including yours truly. I have certainly looked at and said, well, that trend is hot right now. I can write fast. I think I'm going to try and write something so that I can get in on this bandwagon. And those books are never as good. The ones I'm talking about have been written under pen names. They're not ones that I tend to publicly embrace. Not that I'm ashamed of them or not that I don't like them, but they're not my favorites. And that sort of thing usually misses the mark. Usually you can't hit it because whatever trend is coming, like whatever trend is here, those wheels were set into motion a long time ago because it takes a while for things to get through the machine and for things to get popular. And so you usually can't hop on that bandwagon. Now I do, my most popular book is Fat Vampire. So this is maybe not the best example, but I wrote it based on a prompt that happened in real life. But there was a very, very, very hot vampire movement for a while. And actually, I benefited from it to some degree. But a lot of people were, well, I'm going to write vampire books. Or in the romance genre, I know I heard a lot of people talking about, well, there were billionaires and then there were bikers and there were all these different trends. And especially in romance, like it happens like this, it's really fast. And so if you try to chase something, 
that is already out the door. Number one, you're tending to compromise what you actually want to do, what your art is supposed to stand for, for a commercial means in order to take advantage of some sort of public popularity. But you then also tend to miss the mark and you just kind of look ridiculous. So the need to resist that kind of trendiness, I think, is, or at least consider the trendiness. You know, do you, are you sacrificing your long-term respect and credibility or not? But more importantly, being you, and I, this is like the fourth or fifth time I've said this on this show, you are your own differentiation point and you are the only point of differentiation that will actually make a difference. The only way to fully stand out in our modern crowded world with a lot of attention being diverted for various little time sucks, the only way to truly stand out is to be yourself. And if you are chasing trends, if you are trying to make mass appeal rather than listening to your true voice, then you are sacrificing what in the long term might help you most. And so for that reason, I kind of like the idea of looking at things and saying, what can be timeless? It's it's the opposite of in-the-moment popularity. How can I create something that will always be interesting? Maybe not red hot right now, but in the long term, the average will be more sustainable because it's truer to your voice and because it is timeless and won't feel like a flash in the pan down the road. So I'll just something to consider. All right, that's it for today. If you'd like more, there's a full article about every episode on my website at johnnybtruant.com, as well as show notes and transcripts. If you find value in what I do, please consider becoming a member of the site. Just click on membership at the top. Members get extra weekly episodes of the podcast, extra companion articles, my current in-progress book, if you're into that sort of thing, and more, all for just a few bucks a month. It's basically like buying me a cup of coffee. If membership isn't for you, please show your support by subscribing, sharing, reviewing, all that good stuff. It really does make a difference. Thanks for listening and stay curious.